Welcome back to Startups for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Rob Walling. Every week on this show since 2010, we've covered topics related to building and growing startups using an ambitious, yet a sustainable approach. We're not willing to sacrifice our health or relationships to grow our company. We want to build real businesses with real customers who pay us real money. And actually, it's kind of surprising that most of the world doesn't think of, of startups that way. But today, I have my co-founder of Tiny Seed, Anar Volset, joining me on the show. And we're going to talk through not only the announcement of the Tiny Seed Investment Syndicate, and if you don't know what that is, we'll define that in a bit, but we're also going to talk a bit about the investment landscape for B2B SaaS, because frankly, it's kind of opaque to most bootstrap founders. And we think that whether you're raising money or not, if you ever plan to sell your company or even sell a minority stake in your company, or there's a chance that longer term you might want to raise a small amount of money or might want to raise a large amount of money. Knowing some of these details, it's just good. It's good hygiene. I think it's good hygiene as a founder to understand the dynamics of a market. What do you think, Aynar? Yeah, I think that makes total sense. And uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Thanks for joining me. So before we define what a syndicate is and talk you know, about the, the Tiny Seed Syndicate, why we're launching it, what it looks like, right? how it applies to if you're an investor and you want to uh, invest in companies, if you are a founder and you potentially might want to give funding, talk us through, you know, let's, let's dive into this investment landscape for B2B SaaS. Sure. So before we even sort of get into sort of the, the bootstrapped, you know, what I think most of the audience here is doing, like I'm just being very specific about the fact that I'm like here I'm excluding sort of, you know, the VC track. This is a whole different like, you know, series, you know, series C, series A, B, C, D, E, whatever, uh, to IPO. This is the kind of thing where you need to have certain metrics like, you know, if you're if you're sub 10 million ARR, you probably need to be doing like, you know, 2 300 percent year of year growth. Um, and, and actually, there's a bunch of metrics that an interesting report that came out from Bessemer actually, uh, it's called like, you know, scaling to 100 million like this. And it basically has like benchmarks for where you need to be growth wise to be on the venture track. And it, it means like, you know, 110% net retention and 3xing every year and keep going in order to get there. So this is more like, you know, what is it for, you know, bootstrapped or mostly bootstrapped B2B SaaS founders? And really like, this is part of the reason why we started Tiny Seed is like we, there was a hole in the market at this, this earlier stages. And so for Tiny Seed, you know, what we do is typically invest in companies that are super early, you know, they're doing three to 15,000 typically MRR, although the range is much wider than that. We, we've invested as low as 500 to 1,000 and upwards of 100,000 MRR. So obviously we don't want to exclude people, but I think, I think you're right. I think the, the cluster is in that three to, three to 20 is kind of what I would ballpark. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, we started, we started Tiny Seed because there was definitely a hole in the market there. You know, like it's a very specific niche that we operate in. You know, we do a 12-month accelerator. We run them in batches. We typically invest or well, not typically. We invest in like one to three million pre-evaluation. However, there's obviously like in, in the space of, of bootstrapped SaaS or mostly bootstrapped SaaS, there are other kinds of companies, other size companies that look for different kind of funding. Now, what I think is worth mentioning, and this is partly because I think if you run a B2B SaaS business, even, even quite a small one for more than like six months, and certainly once you start listing on like Capterra, whatever, you got nonstop email from people who want to talk about and want to get to know you. They're from, you know, XYZ Capital or so-and-so investors or whatever. And I think it's worth understanding, you know, who are these, the people who are reaching out to you and, and what kind of funding 
options are available at the stage. And, and just to be clear, I think most of the time what we're talking about here revenue-wise is like once you're at at least 500,000 ARR, but more likely, you know, north of a million ARR. So just to summarize real quick about what kinds of funding options are out there, there's basically two different kinds. The first one is sort of the traditional primary investments. And these are like, you know, what a, what a typically what a VC investment is. So this would be money that goes into, into the company for future growth or hiring or whatever. And they usually, it's, they issue new stock and it dilutes everybody. And like, you know, the founder who raises 10 million bucks doesn't get to put 10 million bucks in his, in his back pocket, <laughs> probably, unfortunately. That being said, once you get into this like north of a million ARR, there is this other concept. And, and this does happen a little bit more now in traditional VC, but it's this notion of secondary. So what, what secondary is, is it's basically a way for a founder who's gotten to a certain state to de-risk their, you know, their personal finances. So it takes some money off the table. So, so this would be, okay, I'm going to sell. I'm a founder. I have a business that's doing you know, a million or two million. I'm going to sell some of my own stock to another investor. And that money then does go into the founder's pocket. Traditionally, that's almost been sort of the difference between VC funding and more like private equity, you know, that kind of funding. It's been that VCs typically have been very, or historically, have been very negative to secondary. They feel like you're not all in unless like you need to get to become a unicorn. So, you know, why would you take any money off the table? Like this will be worth 10x in, you know, five months. Whereas private equity has often been a little bit more flexible in that in that regard. Well, and it, it de-risks it for the founder, right? That's so I, I am pro-secondary and in, in if you're super, super early, it doesn't make sense, right? You're raising a 10K MRR or something. You, you haven't built enough of a business. But if you're in, if you're doing seven figures of ARR and your business is literally worth five, 10, 20 million dollars, and you have zero diversification as a founder, that was a huge concern of mine when we were running Drip. Is it's just like, yeah, so I'm a multimillionaire, but I can't sell any of this, you know. And and I mean, I didn't know that secondary existed or it would it would be available to me back, you know, back at, in the 2015 timeframe. Yeah, and I think the times have changed a little bit too. I think it's more common now than it used to be and, and it's less destigmatized, but it's still like, it's definitely a thing. The way, to, the way to think about it for me is like, secondary is not a bad thing for an investor because I think a lot of the time, like a founder will come along and they'll be worried and they might even sell a little bit too soon or go for like a smaller subscale exit if they have all their eggs in that one particular basket. But if they can take some money off the table, you know, 500,000, something like that, then they're much more able to say, okay, screw it. Let's, let's go for like, you know, a 50 or $100 million exit or 20 million or whatever. So I think it's a good thing. It's actually now more common to see sort of a combination of it. So if you're raising at this sort of type, then it, from these kinds of people, then typically there's like, there's some, you know, some primary and some secondary. So, so the other piece of it is like, you know, who, who are these people typically, who are the people who are reaching out to you on email? <laughs> and, and I'm sure a lot of you know what I'm talking about. Like you're getting an email from, you know, Slocum Capital from so-and-so who's just says like he's an associate or an investor. And it's like, hey, you know, we've done a little bit of research on you. Fascinating space. Would love to connect to give you our view of the market or see whether we can help, blah, 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 blah. And so the one thing to realize, these are not typically are not venture capitalists. They are typically software-focused private equity funds. There's a number of different kinds of these. So these, some of these people are looking for companies to buy. 
either as a sort of standalone investments or tuck-ins to their portfolio. But the ones that we're talking about mostly now in terms of people wanting to do investments are what you would call growth uh, investors. So these are private equity people who are either looking to buy a minority or a majority of your company, you know, once you get to a certain size. Typically, these kinds of investors, these kinds of funds are typically quite, quite large. Like some of the some of the software-focused private equity funds are have billions of dollars under management, but there are also, you know, several hundred funds that have, you know, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars to spend. Usually, they're looking to write checks of like 2 to 3 million dollars up to like, you know, over 100 million per investment. And the, the thing to be aware of, and this is why I'm saying it's it's not VC, it's 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 a different model, is like typically the way these guys think about things, it's like they're looking to three to five X their investment in three to five years. And for, you know, if you take investments, you know, minority, definitely majority, then these kinds of investors often, in some cases are, are very hands-off, but quite often are pretty hands-on in terms of, you know, they have a playbook. In some cases, they have a certain set of expertise they bring to the table. And that can be good or bad. Like in some cases, you know, I talk to founders and they're actually looking for that. Like they're looking for either like a CEO type to take it to the next level or, you know, somebody who has a fund that has expertise in, you know, scaling sales or any kind of go-to-market type strategy. And so, so those are the kinds of investors that, that we're often dealing with when, when we're looking at like B2B SaaS investments north of like a millionaire. That's what the founders, like you said, if you've built a SaaS company to even half a million in ARR, you've been running it for more than a year and you're on any list of any kind, you're going to start getting emails from these types of folks. Some of them will be junior partners or not even partners, just junior associates, right? At venture firms. Some of them will be private equity. And there's a difference between those two, as you've already defined, that venture is investing in the company for growth and they invest at higher valuations typically, whereas private equity will want to buy some of the company, but are also more open to secondary. And, and I think also, like, there are funds that do both, right? You know, they have a venture arm, they have a PE arm, so it's not that clear cut. But that's that's a, a useful rule of thumb. Right, right. And so that's kind of the SaaS funding landscape, right? And then Tiny Seed, we launched it because the, <laughs> there was really no option for people who kind of didn't want to go down one of those routes, right? And so we've run four batches or we're in the middle of our fourth batch. We've raised two funds and are raising our third, funded 59 founders. And we are that perhaps the in-between or the third option between truly bootstrapping and going after venture or, you know, selling a piece to, to private equity. So I think that begs the question, like, so we're launching a syndicate what is that? And why is it should it be interesting if someone is an accredited investor listening to this or if they're a founder where maybe the, the accelerator model that Tiny Seed offers isn't a fit? That's right. I mean, and like basically the, the goal with the Tiny Seed syndicate, and we'll, I promise we'll get to the point where we explain what a syndicate is. If you don't know, because we're Tiny Seed, we're sort of knee deep in B2B SaaS, you know, every you know, every day. And so we do see a lot of founders who reach out and say, we want the kind of investors who Tiny Seed, you know, like Tiny Seed like. And we definitely hear from investors who are into like, that's the kind of investments we want to be making. But they're typically, they're like angel investors. So they don't, they're not looking to write $50 million checks into a single company. Like they're looking to write, you know, smaller checks and get more exposure later on. Right. And so if you're listening to this, you may or may not have heard of what a syndicate is because it's a definitely a more well-known term in the venture space, right? You go to AngelList, type in AngelList Syndicate, and there it's a, a vehicle that allows accredited investors. Unfortunately, I would love it if it allowed non-accredited, but it's, it allows accredited investors to essentially invest as a group 
and the syndicate is led by someone. Usually you have a syndicate lead who is essentially getting deals, selecting deals. So a company, you know, would approach us and we would select and vet that deal and then offer it to this list of pre-vetted, pre-verified you know, verified accredited investors. It's, it's, it's an email list of investors in essence. And then they are allowed to invest all in a single entity. It's called, I don't want to get too technical, but it's a special purpose vehicle or an SPV. And it's a single little one-time use fund almost that everybody puts, you know, all the, uh, the investors in the syndicate who want to opt in, put their money into it. And then it, it is one line item on the uh, founder's cap table. So it keeps you from having, if you have 50 investors in a syndicate, each putting in $5,000, that's $250,000. You don't have 50 line items on your cap table because that becomes a mess, right? So that's the idea is these syndicate are like just in time funds is almost how I think about them. They like spring up and the accredited investors in the syndicate are notified about a deal and they can opt in or opt out, right? There's no money up front. And then they can say, I want to put a couple thousand dollars into this one, or I want to put 20,000, you know, depending on how much is available. And this SPV, the syndicate springs up, money goes in, money goes to the company, single item on the cap table. And thus it allows you to have these lower minimums. Typical angel raises are $25,000 minimum. Typical venture fund raises, I mean, are a hundred grand, 250 grand and up. And they go way up because of this stupid 99 investor rule we've talked about on this show before. No, that's true. I mean, and like the, the only question that remains is like, you know, why are we doing this syndicate if we already have funds? And really the answer is, that our tiny seed funds only do a certain kind of investment. That's what it does. It just does very early stage B2B SaaS. And we're, we keep hearing from people that they want exposure to this kind of deal flow. And, and we keep hearing from founders that, you know, yeah, I'm doing 500,000, I'm doing a million. I, I want to get access to this. And so this is, this is effectively our vehicle to, to make that happen. So to clarify, we are going to continue, like the tiny seed accelerator and the funds that we are raising for that we're going to continue to do those and we're full steam ahead on those, but the syndicate is an additional arm of Tiny Seed in essence. And it's an additional way that we can bring some deals to investors who may not currently be Tiny Seed LPs, Tiny Seed investors in our funds. And it's also a way for, like you said, some founders, some companies who may not exactly fit the accelerator model to come through the syndicate and, you know, and be able to get Tiny Seed-esque funding from a group of Microcom friendly, startups are rest of us friendly, tiny seed friendly investors. In addition to that, a non-trivial number of tiny seed accelerator companies, portfolio companies who have been funded by us, we funded almost 60 by now, about 20%-ish have gone on to raise additional funding rounds. Usually it's an angel round or a pre-seed round. And that's been up to them. That's totally their choice of whether to do it. And, and that's been up to them. It's their choice as to whether or not they want to do it, but we support and assist them in that process if they want to. And usually they have a bit of their own network, bring in some funding, and then we communicate their raise to our investors, our LPs, as I keep saying, the limited partners, and they can decide to invest in the round or not. And this syndicate is now another layer. It's another group of investors that could potentially write small checks into tiny seed accelerator companies who want to go on to raise a subsequent round or two. So it's, it's a nice bonus if you think about an extra option for any company that goes through the tiny seed accelerator. So obviously there's two sides, you know, just like a venture fund, there's two sides to a syndicate. There's the investors who essentially opt in to hear about it and opt in to hear about deals as they come. And then there's the founders. So like, let's start with 
how does this might this work for an accredited investor who's listening to this who might want to you know apply to be a part of the tiny seed syndicate yeah it's it's reasonably straightforward basically you just apply to be part of the syndicate through and we'll run it through angel lists and there'll be a bunch of like accredited investor things and you know kyc aml type things and then once you're approved and you basically get on the list and whenever there's a deal that we've selected and vetted and done our diligence on that we think is you know a, a deal that fits in sort of the tiny seed mold then you will get an email that says, you know, here's the deal, here are the terms, this is valuation and how much is available and a minimum. And that's, like I said, that's the nice thing about being able to do a syndicate is like you can have a lowish minimum, you know, like one to 5,000, I don't think is un unreasonable. And then if you decide to invest and, and if there's enough people and enough interest, we put together this, you know, what's called the SPV, we invest through that and uh, we charge pretty minimal fees. There's like a one-time $10,000 fee, which is shared pro rata among the investors. And then Tiny Seed itself takes a takes a carry, which actually Tiny Seed existing Tiny Seed investors get a get a pretty hefty discount on. Right, and that carry is how Tiny Seed will make money from the syndicate. Right, it's that if the investors put money into a single deal in an SPV. So basically, if a company were to exit, the money first goes back to pay the investors back. It's called a 1x hurdle. And it, it, in essence, pays the investors back their initial investment. Any profits over that, Tiny Seed gets 20% of them. That's called the carry. And as you said, existing Tiny Seed investors receive a big discount on that carry, as well as getting early look at, at deals, right? I mean, LPs in our funds, those are the folks that kind of get the best deal. And I'd imagine over time, like there will be folks who participate in the syndicate who decide that, you know, due to the quality of the deals and just the interactions that they will want to become tiny seed LPs. So that's kind of the gist. You think anything else to say to folks? I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah. Like, you know, like if you, if this is interesting to you either as a founder, or as an investor, then just to get in touch, I think, you know, if you're an, if you're an investor, you should go to tinyc.com slash invest. If you're a founder and you're, you're interested in, in exploring this, this is the kind of thing. Uh, and I think you'd probably need to be like 500,000 or at least a million ARR. You know, I think this is a sweet spot for this kind of funding is anywhere really from about a million to 10 million ARR. Then go to tinyc.com slash apply and you can fill in forms there. And, and, and I probably will be the one who reaches out to sort of clarify. And actually, if you have any questions or you're uncertain, is this a good fit? What does this look like? Feel free to just email me at anr at tinyc.com. Yeah, and you know, here's, as we wrap up, like, Here's what I love about this idea, you know, of a syndicate, also just the ability to launch Tiny Seed in this day and age is that up until now, up until a couple years ago, there were just so few options. It was bootstrapping, it was venture, and there just weren't these in-between vehicles, right? And when we launched Tiny Seed, remember it was a landing, a crappy little landing page I threw together in a few weeks, and it was a tweet and an email, and right away we knew, oh, investors are interested in this as an asset class, but founders are also really interested. And I, what I didn't know was, are bootstrapped founders interested in taking a, a small amount of money with, I would say, a lot fewer expectations and fewer strings attached is a strong phrase, but like just fewer complexities than trying to get on the venture path. And we didn't know, I, I had a hunch, like I would have done it. And I had a hunch, I could see Jordan Gall doing it. I could see customer.io did it, Churnbuster did it because I invested in them. I knew there were founders out there, but I didn't know across the broader landscape of the tens of thousands of those types of founders, how many would be interested. Turns out a lot. I mean, a lot. We've had thousands of applicants to Tiny Seed. Yeah, I think so. And I, th I, th I think actually there might be more in investor interest too, because there's a reason why all these private equity, you know, software private equity companies and growth investors are hiring all these fresh MBAs to sort of cold email everyone with a like a heartbeat and a SaaS app. It's because it's a, it's a very nice investment. And so 
being able to bridge that like you know, between investors that aren't, you know, necessarily giant private equity funds and between founders who have built something amazing, but, you know, maybe want a little bit more for growth and a little bit, take a little bit off the table. I think, I think that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And I mean, I want to be clear, like startups to the rest of us and MicroConf have been about building ambitious software companies since the start, right? And it was, there wasn't even SaaS. I mean, there, it existed, but it was not the focus in 2010. It was barely, it was barely, I think of a bootstrap SaaS was really, there were a handful of people doing it. And so we have evolved with the time, but what we've not done is just turned our back on anything, right? It's like, I think SaaS is an amazing business model. I think bootstrapping is an amazing approach. And this podcast at MicroConf will continue to support those folks who are doing that because 80% plus of the MicroConf community probably won't raise funding. And when we talk about this kind of stuff on the podcast, I don't want a listener to think, oh my gosh, Startups for the Rest of Us is now all about raising funding because it's not, it's just another option. Startups for the Rest of Us is about giving you the options and the tools to make the best decisions, right? And we've done that for 11 years and 500 and almost 80 episodes. So that's my pledge to you as a listener. So Anar, thanks for joining me. Obviously, folks want to keep up with you. You're Anar Volset on Twitter and Anar at tinyseed.com if they want to email you directly. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you so much for joining me again this week. As we said earlier, tinyseed.com slash apply or tinyseed.com slash invest if you're interested in learning more about what we're up to. And we'll be back with another regularly scheduled program again next Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm.